If you've got a Bible with you this morning, how about turning with me to John, the 15th chapter, please. John 15 and the first verse. John 15. Jesus is speaking. And he said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. The father is the vine dresser, tender. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, one thing that's impressed on me from the beginning of this series that I believe the Lord has directed us to minister is that he expects us to produce, doesn't he? This has not been conveyed properly to the church at large. The message has come across, you know, you need to get saved, need to get saved. Okay, we got saved. All right, well, you know, come to church when you can. And that's about it. But I'm telling you, that's not the Lord. Every branch in him, he expects something out of. Yeah. Why? Because he knows what you and I are capable of. You might fool somebody else, but he knows. Doesn't he? And if you're not doing what you can, what you know, then he's not satisfied with that. And uh, if there's stuff that's using up all your time and your energies and resources, instead of doing what, you know, he wants you to be doing, that needs to be purged. Yes, sir. I said it needs to be purged. We need to start up the chainsaw. And get that stuff off. Huh? Thank you for that one evening. <laughs> Do we or not? I didn't write this, did I? These are red letters. You respect red letters, don't you? Okay, every branch. Are you a branch? In the vine? If you're not a branch in the vine, you're lost. You're outside and undone and lost. If you're born again, you're a branch in the vine. And every branch should produce fruit. Every branch. And if you're producing fruit, now what? Let's do better. Let's produce more. And you know, if you love the Lord and you love his things and you love his people, you want to produce more. Don't you? You want to do more. How many have a heart and a desire to do more for the Lord this year than last year? Certainly you should have. Well, that's what we're on. Fruitfulness. Keep reading. Verse 3, he said, Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken to you. That has to do with that purging and cleansing. His word will purge you if you'll receive it. His word will get things out of your life if you'll let it in. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can you except you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches he that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing if a man abide not in me he's cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned you know it just doesn't sound good for barren branches does it if you abide in me In my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. 
Skip down to verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. Why did he choose us? What has he ordained us to? That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Hallelujah. And that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you, which is part of bearing the fruit that remains. Fruit and more fruit. And fruit that remains. Uh, go with me, if you would, over to uh, Titus 3, 14. It says, let ours uh, learn to maintain good works, Titus three fourteen. For necessary uses, that they be not what? Unfruitful. The NIV, the NIV says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Not live an unproductive life. The Today's English version says, They should not live useless lives. The the new century says uh, so that their lives will not be useless. Now that's a sobering, sad thought, a, a useless life. Useless. Unproductive. Wonder how many people's lives are unproductive, unfruitful, useless. Well, from what perspective? Like we've said, people live as though this is all there is. And they live like what they're doing now you're going to do forever. And you're not. People get up, get ready, and go to work, go to school. They clean the house. They do the laundry. They sweep the floor. They get up tomorrow and do it again. Act like you're going to do this forever. You're not. I said you're not. Nothing that's going on now is going to last very long. Not where you're working, not what you're doing, not the people you're around. You're not going to stay around these people forever. If you could back off from the earth, outside the atmosphere, and see the whole planet, and could see in the spirit, the departures and arrivals of human spirits would be mind-boggling. Millions are leaving this planet every day. Aren't they? The world calls it dying. But the spirit is departing the body. Millions, right as we speak, millions are leaving. And millions are arriving. They're called babies. (laughs) Like a huge airport. Arrivals and departures. And the Lord tarries is coming just any length of time. You're going to depart. Thank God, depart and be with Christ, which is far better than being here. But you got too many people that are just biding their time. You know, you hear people use the term killing time. Man, I don't like that term. That's somebody that has no clue how valuable time is. You shouldn't be doing anything killing time. You should be redeeming time. You should be doing things that save time and buy back time that you would have lost doing something else. You and I live in a generation that has more ability 
to do this than previous generations. Hmm? The technology enables us as ministers to speak to people all over the planet. Instead of having to travel there one at a time. Instead of taking a couple of mules and a wagon. And taking six months to get there. You can be there in two hours. Previous generations didn't have access to these kind of tools. Man, we ought to be redeeming time right and left, shouldn't we? We ought to be doing more because we have such great tools. And, of course, the Lord gave them to us at this time because of the time being so brief and so short in the end times and the harvest being so great and the laborers so few, we needed it. And he knew when to have you born. Didn't he? We're here. I don't know if you realize it or not, but man, you're, you're in the thick of it. You're at the front line. All the rest of the guys that have come before, all the greats, I mean, you know, Paul and, and David and Peter, and they're not here. We're here. They had their time. It's our time. We're here. And they're, they're observing from the banner uh, in heaven, and, and they're, I'm sure they're thinking, Guys, do it. Do it. You don't have long. Get to it. Man. I wonder if Paul's thinking, man, if I'd have had the internet. Ah. Oh, if I'd have had the internet and a TV camera and a jet. Ah. Oh. See, he's working with sailboats. Huh? And donkeys. And parchments. <laughs> But the Lord has been so gracious to us, allowing us to be born now, giving us this time. This is our time. Somebody said, this is our time. This is my time. Your time to do what? Kill time? Huh? Wait, while away the hours and days until what? Until you die and go to heaven? What? Friends, do you have a stirring in your heart about this message, about this series Should we be examining what we're doing? What are we doing? What are we doing with ourselves, with our days, our time, our money, our energies, our gifts, our graces, our opportunities? What are we doing? What, why are we doing it? What is it producing? Should we be asking these questions right now? Yeah, it's a new year. It's a new decade. It's a new time. It's a new season. But we don't have that many left. Our life is like a mist. It's like a vapor. It's a here and it's gone. So no matter what, we're out of here quick. You don't want to look up and you're about to breathe your last and and depart out of here. Your departure is here. And realize, man, I wasted so much of my life. I could have done more. I could have done this. And one of the one of the big tricks of the enemy is procrastination. Hmm? He knows a lot of times with people, he can't get you to agree that you're not going to do it. So what's the next fallback position? Do it next year. We'll be in better shape. We'll get this done. Oh, friends, the longer I live, the more I see of this, I, I'm thinking of person after person after person after person after person had all these grandiose ideas and all these things, and they're gone. They're out of here. And it never happened. Because they kept thinking, well, I'll do this first, and I'll get that taken care of, and then maybe we'll look at this. And 
You don't know what you have beyond now. Do we? Now I know some folks don't like thinking about this, but we need to think about this. Because our time is so short. I said this in the first service uh, some years ago. I was just aware of some bad things that were happening in different parts of the country and the the world. And it bothered me and grieved me. And I thought, I thought, I'm talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, you are love. Nobody ever cared more than you. If this bothers me, how does it affect you? How does it? And and so I thought, how do you put up with this? He's so pure. He's so perfect. How do you put up with the anguish? And the pain that's in the planet, the sin and junk and the death and the curse, how do you put up with it? And he began to speak to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. First of all, he didn't say this to me. He just brought it to my remembrance. The reason all this stuff is in the earth is because man has a free will. Man has a free It's not his will. Never was his will. None of it pleases him. It's because man has a free will and man has chosen to disobey and rebel and sin and the wages of sin is death. So it's not the will of God. It's because man has a free will. But then I had asked him, how do you put up with it? How do you tolerate this? And this was the answer that was enlightening to me and it gives me further light every year. He said, son, it's very brief. And when he said that, I got a glimpse, just a little one, of his perspective of my life. This is all I know. To me, it seems like, well, the years have passed by and more. To him, it is like that. That's my life. And so if there's pain and discomfort, that doesn't please him, but he can tolerate it because uh, it's already over. Are y'all with me, friend? It's already passed. Men, when he first made them, of course, we were supposed to never die. But when he first made man, even after the fall, they lived almost a thousand years in a lifetime. And he said he wouldn't tolerate that. He said, my spirit shall not always strive with man because he's flesh. Yet the days of man will be a hundred and twenty years. Why did he say that? Well, you think about a bad guy that's got 900 years to practice doing bad stuff. Man, you talk about getting evil. And me, and on the other hand, a good guy that has to put up with all this stuff for 900 years, that's not good either. So the Lord said, no, 120. And we think that sounds like a long time to us, but that's from perspective, that's a tenth of what was happening. That'd be like dying at age 10 instead of age 100. Our life is like a puff, like a mist, a vapor. It is happening so fast. I mean, almost before I get through talking here. <laughs> is it true or not? Yes, sir. The older you get, some of you that are much older than me, does it seem like it's passing quick? Does it seem like, like telephone poles down the road? That's because it is. It really is. You know, young person thinks it's an eternity to have to wait five years till they can get their driver's license or whatever, you know. But uh, by the time they get to be 60, they don't feel that way. Why am I saying all this? Our time is short. Our time is 
precious. We need to look up and go, what is going on? This is not just about sweeping and making the bed. Uh, what am I doing with my life? Because it's about to be over. People think, well, I don't like to think about that. Preach me something happy. Let me be encouraged. Hey, <laughs> I'm preaching you the Bible. I'm reading scriptures, right? This is important. And I don't believe the Lord would have us talking about it unless he's already working in us for us to become more fruitful than we've ever been and not waste time and resources. He's being good to us. He's being gracious to us. He's helping us out. We've prayed prayers. We've pursued him and he's taking us further. And that further is fruitfulness. Somebody say fruitfulness. So we'll not have unproductive Lives, wasted lives, useless lives, but fruitful lives. Fruitful lives. Go to Matthew 16, please. Matthew 16. I don't want us to make a bunch of New Year's resolutions. I want us to take account as the year begins. I want us to look, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? Why am I doing it? Why did I start doing it? Why do I do that every Tuesday? Why do I do that every morning? Who told me to do it? How did it get started? What's it worth? What is it producing? So much of people's lives is tradition. And human beings are very much creatures of habit. Oh, brother. Just check up on yourself. Just start. Tomorrow morning. Check up on yourself. And when you go to do something, ask yourself, how many times have I done that? That way. That time. Same way. Same time. Why? Because it requires nothing of you. You don't have to think. Hmm? You don't have to pray. You don't hear from the Lord. You don't have to be led. Just do the same thing you did yesterday. Let me go over that again real slow. <laughs> What are we going to do? Ah, it's the same thing we always do. What do you do? You do this, you do that, then you do this. Don't even have to think. Hmm? Always did it that way. Do it again. You're not going to always do it that way. Everybody that's around you is not going to always be around you. People are coming, people are going. Things are changing. Things are changing. They're going to change. People act like they're in such shock when things change. Don't they? When somebody leaves. People are going to leave. You're going to leave. People are like, oh, how am I going to make it? You should have known they were leaving. Everybody you know is leaving. You're leaving. Everybody. It's part of life. For the child of God, it's not a bad thing. But we don't just kill time till we leave here. Let's examine. What are we doing? Who started what I'm doing? Why did I start doing it that way? Hmm? Is it producing anything? Is it bearing any fruit? Is it productive? Or is it a waste of my precious time and energy and resources? Where are you in the scriptures? Matthew 16. I think it's about verse 25 or so here. Matthew 16 And 25. Well, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? This word that Jesus spoke is in every gospel account. It's numerous times. I mean, this. how many have read this before in the Bible? I mean, this you hear over and over again. If you keep your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose it for my sake, give it for my sake, you'll find it. And one place he said, if you don't hate your life in this world. And that, uh, frankly, I, I couldn't really grasp that for some time. But as I get older, I'm understanding that better and better. What? You get to where you, you just disdain things that are wasting your life. If you live only for down here, you are throwing your life away. Are y'all with me, friends? You have a window of opportunity to be used of God and bear fruit that will remain throughout eternity. And if all you do is please yourself and bide your time and try to make your flesh comfortable and try to satisfy your flesh for your whole life, you have thrown away something that is precious beyond price. You lost it. You lost it. Oh, but if you'll deny the flesh and get up every morning saying, Lord, it's not what I want. What do you want? Not what I want to do today. What can you use me to do today? How can I be of assistance? What can I do to contribute to your work, to your plan, to your kingdom? And if you do that, even though the days are clicking by and your life is being spent, you're not wasting it. I said, you're not wasting it. You're spending it wisely. Somebody say, glory to God. And when it comes time to depart out of here, you'll not be filled with remorse that I wasted my life and could have done so many things for the Lord and never did any of No, you'll say, I've run a good race. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Because it'll be here before you know it. In John, the 12th chapter, you don't have to turn there, but John 12 and 25, Jesus said, He that loves his life shall lose it. What'll happen? You'll lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it to life eternal. The stuff that the world is going goofy over, being famous, having the most money, having the biggest stuff, it's nothing. It's here. It's gone. And if you live for that and you get caught up in that, You will waste your whole life. But if you get to the place where you hate things that would keep you from doing the work of God. You hate things that would waste your life and time just lavishing it on yourself. When you could be doing something to be used of God. You get to the place where you don't live for yourself. You don't live for self-satisfaction. You don't live to be seen and known. And be pleased. You're aware. I know some years ago the Lord spoke something to me. I was reading some scriptures there in Ephesians. And he said, uh, awake thou that sleepest. 
Rise from the dead. Christ will give you light. And as I pondered that scripture, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, did you know most of the world is either dead or asleep? Talking about the living on the planet. Most of the people walking around on the planet are either spiritually dead. That means they've never been born again. They don't know God. Or they're asleep. They have been born again, but they're asleep. Well, somebody in a dead, deep sleep laid beside somebody that's dead from a distance. They look the same. They just lay in there motionless, doing nothing. What did he say? Wake up and Christ will give you light. There's a few people on the planet that are alive and awake. Oh, hallelujah. They're not just caught up in the in the lust and desire of the world and the flesh and the eyes and all that stuff. They're not living day to day like this is all the existence that there is. It's so sad that the intellectuals of this world, people are letting them lead them down the path to destruction. More and more people are saying there is no God and they believe in this and that and science and naturalism. It's sad because if they think this is all there is, there's no wonder people live the way they do if they think this is all there is. Eat, drink, be merry, because tomorrow you're dead. That means, you know, don't be concerned about consequences. Just satisfy your flesh at anybody's expense because, hey, this is it. That's a lie. Amen. I said, that's a lie. Yes, sir. That's a lie. There is a God. There is a heaven. There is a kingdom of God that lasts forever and ever and ever. You're not just a body and a mind. You're a spirit. I said you're a spirit. You're a spirit. A spirit that exists forever. And right now. You and I have. uh, The rarest of privileges. We are in the thick of it. Down here. This is our time. This is our moment. Can you see it friends? It's our time to shine. It's our time to bear fruit. It's our time to contribute. We will be remembered forever for what we did in this life towards God's kingdom. Forever. Throughout the ages. Mm -mm. You won't be remembered for stuff you did in the flesh. You won't be remembered for things that natural people do. Go to Luke uh, 12. What are we talking about here? Fruitfulness. Bearing fruit. Not being unproductive. But fruitful. Luke 12. Verse 13. One of the company said to Jesus, Master... Speak to my brother. Would you tell him to divide the inheritance with me? Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? He said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you have an important life. Right? We believe in prosperity. We believe God wants you to be blessed, have everything you need, eat the good of the land. But everything that's down here will be ashes in just a few days. Right? The only thing, ownership is kind of an illusion. I mean, everything down here is just something you can use for a little while. 
Right? And unless it's helping somebody some way, it's worth nothing. You hear people talking about teaching their children the value of a dollar. What is a dollar worth? What is a million worth? It's worth nothing except what it could be used to do to help somebody. People worship money. Oh, they do. The world's full of people that idolize. That's why they talk so reverently about, did you hear how much? How much? 2.5 million. They might as well go, oh, great millions. Oh, great. They worship it. But money is nothing. Nothing except if it could be used to relieve somebody's burden. Help meet somebody's need. Right? Help get the gospel to somebody. Right? Then it's worth something. Then it becomes not just numbers on a roster or today electronic numbers or in an account somewhere. It becomes something tangible that is eternal fruit. Somebody heard the gospel. Somebody got saved. That's forever. That's valuable. That's precious. The money is really nothing. He said, beware of covetousness. This guy's thinking, hey, I'm sure if I told Jesus, because he's a man that's fair and does things right, and my brother is trying to take all of my mom and daddy's stuff and not give me my share in the inheritance. And I'm sure if I told him that he'd set this thing right. So I don't know. He'd probably been thinking about it for three days till he could get to Jesus. And probably his, his brother might have been there in the crowd too. And he's, he waited and thought he caught the right moment and I guess interrupted Jesus or whatever he did, made a big deal out of it. Jesus, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Yes. Would you tell my brother that he's supposed to divide the inheritance of mom and daddy's stuff with me? And Jesus didn't look at him and say, yeah, that's right. Now y'all need to divide and play right. And be good to each other. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, watch out for covetousness. Because a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that he has. Why? What was the problem? The next thing he tells gives clarification into it. Verse 16. He spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself. Where did this come from? Within Within him. What shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I'll say to my soul, soul, you've had much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He's got a plan, doesn't he? And God said to him, what? You fool. You fool. Now, one of the biggest keys to having a fruitful life is the wisdom of God. The word of wisdom and the spirit of wisdom. A wise person discerns 
what is valuable and what is not. What's good and what's a good investment and what's a waste of your time. A fool doesn't discern. A fool thinks something is valuable that's not. And this is where some of the major revelation I'm confident that the Lord has for us lies. That in these days and the coming days and weeks, the Lord would reveal to us by the spirit of wisdom and words of wisdom that he's giving to us. And we would discern in our life what is valuable and what is not. What's a good investment and what's a waste of our time and resources? What's dead weight and needs to be purged and cut off? And what is good fruit and we need to put more into that? Do you believe this? Yes, This man was not wise. He's a fool. Why was he a fool? Because of his focus. Because of what he thought was important and all important. And of course where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. I want you to, I want to read this again. I want you to notice every place he refers to himself. You might circle it. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he... Thought within himself. Somebody counting with me? That's two. What shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods And I will say to my soul, I'm going to have to rest here just a moment. That's just too much me. Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see the focus? What's important to him? What's important to him? What is he living for? His ease. His enjoyment. His co- Sounds like most of the country. What's he living for? He had an idea. He thought, oh man, this is what I can do. I can set myself up for years to come. And I can take it easy. Sounds like retirement. I, I can pile this up. And I can say, hey, kick back. Enjoy life, eat, drink, have fun, take your ease. God said, you fool. Why? Keep reading. He said, you fool. This night, when? When? Tonight, your soul shall be required of you. You're departing tonight. How long will it be before you depart? Have I lost the crowd already? How long will it be before you depart? Here's the answer. Not long. Not long at all. That's a fact. One way or the other. Not long at all. And it shouldn't scare you. If you're a believer, it shouldn't bother you. What should concern you is what am I doing right now? What am I doing between now and then? Because I will be leaving here soon and very soon. I don't want to leave empty handed. Uh, at Brother Or Roberts' memorial service the other day, we were privileged to go. And, uh, 
I believe it was his daughter that said, somebody asked him in an interview one time, Brother Oral, uh, is there anything you're afraid of? Anything that scares you? She thought, boy, that's an unusual thing for them to ask him. She was watching to see what he was going to say. He said, yeah, there is one thing. One thing. He said, they said, what? He said, that I might not obey God. That should be one of your biggest concerns. Hmm? Instead of being more concerned about, or am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to have enough for my retirement years? Are we going to have this and that and the other? Well, can I not think about any of that? It can't be first. If you seek first the kingdom of God, he'll add all those things that you need to you. But if you focus on that, and I got to take care of me, and I got to take care of mine, and maybe when I get the kids through school, and we get our mortgage paid off, and then I can give more time to the church, you've already missed it. Because you're putting you first. You're putting your stuff first. And if you will let that move you, I assure you, the enemy will have something next year, and he'll have something the next, and he'll have something ten years from now, and you'll keep putting it off, and putting it off, and putting it off, and you'll look up, and it'll be time of your departure. Did this guy have plans? I said, did he have plans? And what were these plans about? Taking care of himself so that he's comfortable and he's not having to think about money and stuff and he has ease and he can enjoy life. Friend, is that what we should be about down here is enjoying life? We can enjoy some things, but we're not just down here to enjoy this life. This is not all there is. This is time to work. I said, this is time to work. We can kick back and talk for eons later. Now's time to get something done. Isn't it? What needs to get done? The harvest is great. The laborers are few. All you got to do is look around. There's precious few of us, percentage-wise, that even care that the gospel gets preached. Much less would give towards it or work for it or try to get it done. Friend, we got to double up because there's Amen. millions that's doing nothing and don't care. Amen. What is the fruit? Here's one of the biggest things. The Bible said the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. What is that? People. 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 He said, you fool." Tonight, this night, your soul is going to be required of you. And then whose shall those things be that you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Do you know what it takes to be selfish? Just wake up in the morning and go with whatever comes in your mind. And ever how you feel. Because the nature of your flesh and mine. The nature of your unrenewed mind and mine. Is selfish. Self-centered. Self-seeking. Did you hear the words this guy was talking? He thought within himself. And he's talking to himself about himself. Isn't he? You know if everybody's forehead was a TV screen. It'd be too distracting. And you could see what they were thinking about. Do you know what the number one show would be? Me. Me. 
I'm telling you, screen after screen after screen, people would be thinking about their self, about what they think, what they want, what they feel, what they don't have, what they don't want. Even their me reruns, even the commercials are about me. I'm telling you, it's enough me to just be sickening. Me, 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 me. And all you got to do to be like that is just wake up in the morning and just go with the thoughts and feelings that come to you like the rest of the world does. Oh, but friend, if you're born again, the love of God's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom is in you. And He'll unveil and unfold to you the plan that God has for you. And you were chosen. Did we, did we read that scripture in verse chapter 15 earlier? You were chosen and ordained to do what? To do what? To make yourself easy? Make yourself happy. What were you chosen and ordained to do? To go and bear fruit. And fruit that remains. Fruit that remains throughout the ages. Throughout the eons. Go to Ecclesiastes, please, the 10th chapter. Let's talk some specifics. About how to become more fruitful right now. The rest of this afternoon. You interested in that? The rest of the afternoon, rest of the day, rest of the week. Can this church be more fruitful than it's ever been? Can the Lord use us, use us as individuals, as families, as a church family, to get more done in the kingdom than ever before? Hmm? Absolutely. It'll come through receiving and acting on his wisdom, as we've said. Somebody say wisdom. The word of his wisdom And the spirit of wisdom that he's given to us. Solomon is known for his wisdom. God gave him wisdom. That's his identity, his wisdom. And Ecclesiastes is a book that a lot of people don't enjoy. They read it and they go, vanity, vanity. Everything's vanity. They think, oh man, that's depressing. I want to read something else. But if you feel that way, it's simply because you don't have enough wisdom to understand what he's saying. If you read the whole passage, you'll see that he said, I did this. I tried that. I built this. I established that. And then I looked at it and said, it's vanity. What does vanity mean? What good is it? It's a waste of time and energy. Listen to Ecclesiastes before you look at 10. The second chapter and the 11th verse. You don't have to turn there. He said, when I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit. There was no what? No profit under the sun. Let me say this another way. There was no lasting benefit. There was no fruit that remained. He had enough wisdom to realize, well, now I've worked on this for six years and it's dandy, but really people have built them before, even in generations past. That's what he said. Anything you do, it's been done before. It's because you don't know about it doesn't mean it wasn't done. And everything that's happening now, given enough time, nobody will remember it on the earth or care. And so he'd step back and he said, so what's the point? And he said, I worked so hard for this in a few days, I'm going to be gone. Just like this uh, ignorant man 
The wisest man is going the same way. And, and who am I leaving it to? Will my son be wise or will he not? And he thought, what's the point? There is no profit. I'd say it like this though. There is no lasting benefit. There is no permanent fruit or fruit that remains. Fools don't think about where it's going. Fools, they blare into it, not realizing they're rushing to their own destruction. Not realizing that what they're doing now is destroying their future. And then when it happens, they act surprised and go, wow, I didn't realize this was going to happen. That's because you're a fool. A wise man would have seen it coming. And a fool will waste their life on stuff that means nothing and wake up at the end of it and look back and go, oh. I had so many opportunities. I could have done this. I could have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. Friend, we should live today so that we have no regrets tomorrow. Do you believe that? Can you? It is so simple. It is so simple. All you got to do is what you know. Things that come up on your heart. All you got to do is what you know. Phyllis and I were thanking God the other day. You know, my dad's gone home to be with the Lord now. And her mom just went home to be with the Lord. And thing after thing that happened that we were able to do for them or do with them. That they, young enough that you could think you had time to do it. But the Lord prompted us, don't wait, do it now. And we did it. And so you don't regret it now. And yet... Every believer, every child of God is having things like that, but they're ignoring them. And they're putting them off. And they're procrastinating. If we would learn to pay attention to the one who's inside us, he's endeavoring to lead us and guide us 24-7. I thought about this just the other day. You know, we travel, we pack, we unpack. I'm a pilot. I have all my charts and all that stuff to think of. And there's a lot of stuff. And I'm doing that with my Bible stuff. And a lot of times I'm rushing out and I got things in other And I've learned to pause just a minute. And the other night I was getting ready to go and there was something I was going to take. And I, I set it down and it just came up to me. You'll forget it. I thought that's right. <laughs> so I picked it up and I laid it over there and I laid it on this part. And then I thought, you'll, you'll remember it now. Okay. We live like that. Have you ever had anything like that come up? Don't leave it there. You'll forget it. You better write it down. You'll forget it. And you didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? (laughs) Because you don't value that witness. You're not taking it seriously enough. And the problem is, if you don't practice listening to that and paying attention to that, you'll get duller to it and you'll get used to ignoring it. And some things it don't cost you so much on, other things it costs you severely if you don't listen. It can cost you your life. If you'll practice paying attention to the little things every day, you'll get sharper and you'll get more sensitive. And what's going to be happening, you won't be wasting time. Now, it'd be a blessing for me just not have to get out to the airport and have to remember and have to wait for somebody to bring it to me or me turn around and go get it and waste an hour. And, of course, these things can get more serious than you think. If I had already planned it tight and was missing some weather, now I'm an hour late and it puts me in the middle of a thunderstorm, you could lose your pastor. Are y'all listening? And somebody say, well, why? You know, he was supposed to be led by the Spirit. They believed in talking in tongues. Yeah, but if you don't listen, it doesn't make any difference who you are. You're going to get in trouble. 
Got to pay attention. And just because you paid attention real good 20 years ago, it's not going to get you through today. It's because you did amazing things and had great exploits 10 years ago because you were led by the Spirit. Well, honey, that's 10 years ago. What you doing today? Got to be led today. Got to follow today. How can you stop wasting precious time, wasting precious resources? Be led by the Spirit of Wisdom. Look at the 10th chapter, please, and the 10th verse here in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 10 and 10. What does it say? If the iron is blunt, it's talking about an axe iron. Iron axe. If it's blunt and you don't whet or sharpen the edge, what do you have to do? You have to swing it harder and you get less results. Has to put two more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Everybody say that out loud with me three times. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is profitable to direct. One more time. Wisdom is profitable to direct. It's profitable. What's profitable? Well, if you work for six months on something and invested a bunch into it, and you cleared, you got out of it the same amount that you put into it. You just broke even. Was that profitable? No, sir. So was it a good expenditure of your time and your effort? No. no, no. It was not worth anything unless you made a profit. Amen. Unless you got wound up with more than what you started with. And so wisdom is profitable to direct you in the way that you wind up with increase. Amen. You wind up with fruit. Instead of a wasted time. Zeal without knowledge is not good, the Bible says. And even amongst Christians, even amongst ministers, churches, ministries, you'll find sometimes a lot of zeal and no wisdom. And people say, well, I've got to do something. I've got to do something for the Lord. I've got to do something. And they don't want to prepare. They just want to go do. All time is short. I've got to do it right now. Do what? Brother Hagin used to say this to us, and he must have said it hundreds of times over the years. Preparation time is never wasted time. Preparation time is never wasted time. The Lord prepared us 20-something years to be your pastors. None of it was wasted. None of it was wasted. I wouldn't have wanted to do anything before that preparation. Didn't know it. And so many of the things that in ministry that we would begin to do or think we're God's want us to do that and I think well man I already want to be in that by now and the year keep passing another year passed when it finally started happening I realized he gave it to me just as soon as I was able to handle it I thought I was able to handle it but I wasn't but he's wise and he's the father and I'm the little one and he knows yes that's your call but you're not ready for that you need to do this. And if you do that well, then you can do this. And if you do that, you can do this. And if you keep doing it, then you, you'll be there. Preparation time is never wasted time. When I read this passage, I see a picture of uh, people that want to chop wood, want to chop trees. And you got zealous wood choppers. 
And they're going to get ahead of everybody. And they're more zealous than everybody. And so they grab that dull axe and they run out to the woods and they just start chopping at a tree and they chop on and they hit it and they hit, of course, it's dull. So it bounces off. The sweat is flinging and the bark is flying. And then they decide, I don't know if this is the tree or not. So they go over there and chop on that tree and they knock some bark off of there and they knock bark off of 10 different trees in half a day. But the wise man is sitting on the stump with his axe and a file praying in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit. And other people come by and say, what's wrong with you? Don't you want to work for the Lord? <laughs> Look at all them guys sweating and knocking bark off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sharpening the axe. Because wisdom is profitable to direct. And while you're sitting there sharpening that axe, are you wasting your time? No, no you're not wasting your time. You know that you're supposed to chop trees. But which tree? You're just one man. We're just so many hours today. Which trees for me? So while you're sharpening the axe and praying in the spirit, because when you pray out mysteries, truth and light is revealed. When you pray in the spirit, you speak mysteries. And as you as you're praying, you keep noticing that one tree over there. And the more you look at it, the more you like it. And you just have a good witness about that tree, and you think, uh huh, that's the tree. That's it. And you get to the point where, yeah, you know it. And by now, you got that axe sharp. So you walk over there, and you don't just start flinging the axe. You said, Lord, now, there's a right way to, to take this thing. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Where should I swing the axe? Where? And you keep looking, and you go, oh, yeah. See that knot down there on the right? Right down there uh, by that. Mm-hmm. And so, boom, you hit it the same place, same time, uh, every time I should say, same place, same place, same place, same place, and you hear a crack, and the other guys are knocking bark off a new tree, and your tree's down. Did you waste time? You didn't get started as quick as they did, but you're finished and they're not yet. You actually accomplished something. Oh, friend. There's a lot of church activity. There's a lot of ministry activity. There's a lot of Christian activity. And it is flying sweat and bark. Did you hear me now? It's a lot of hoopla. There's a lot of social stuff. There's a lot of talk. Oh, the talk. There's so much talk about how amazing each other's kids are and how they're going to be the next Elijah. and, And on and on and on and on and on. But friend, when it hits the fire that we've already talked about in Corinthians, it's all going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be gone. I don't want to do that, do you? I want us. You know, there's a, a phrase in flying, no quick fingers in the cockpit. No fast hands. What does that mean? No quick hands. And I've seen it. I've flown with people before in simulators and stuff. And, and something happened and they start pushing buttons. and Because <laughs> when the fire bell goes off and it's ringing in your ear and it's going, hey, you're on fire, you're on fire. You know, your, your natural mind wants to, hey, do something quick. But you realize 
you really have more time than you think. That engine's on fire. Okay, well, if it actually is on fire that bad, the pylon could burn through and it could fall off and there's just that much less weight to, to fly with. And you have to make yourself think. And yeah, I'm supposed to push that button, but if I push this button instead of that button, I lose my one good engine. Somebody said no fast hands. No fast fingers. You think you don't have time to do it? Do it wrong and have to redo it. How much time does that take? If you don't have much time to do it the first time, you sure don't have time to redo it. So you got to make yourself move slow. You know what the most efficient thing to do? Do it right the first time. That's the quickest, cheapest, most efficient. Anybody with me on that? And what's going to help you to do it right the first time? Wisdom of God that's in you is profitable. To direct you and me in every situation. Don't just do what hits your mind. Don't just do what your flesh or what your friends or what your family is pulling on you to do. Do like Jesus. Kneel down and write in the sand. And let them talk all they want to. And you wait there till you hear from God. Then when you got it. That's when you move. Go to Isaiah please in closing. Isaiah. 48. Well, we are having church on a snowy day, aren't we? I think it's more profitable than just sitting at the house drinking hot chocolate. You can do that later. (laughs) Isaiah 45. Oh, 48. And uh, 15. Said I even I have spoken, yea, I have called him. God talking about his people. I have brought him and will make his way prosperous. I use that phrase in my praying frequently. How I many like the idea of the Lord making your way prosperous? To me, I just have a mental image of sailing through. No hindrances, no holdups, tailwind. Huh? Slipping through, no problems, not getting hung up, right? Making your way prosperous. How many like the idea of sailing through 2010? I mean, just prospering right on through. This works, that works, this way. You don't get hung up with this. You don't get hit with that. You don't get bothered with this. Sail right through. Is that the will of God? When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Even people that still hate you won't bother you. <laughs> so are you, aren't you his enemy? Yeah, why aren't you doing anything? I don't know. I know what I'm waiting on. The Lord make them to be at peace with you. Makes his way prosperous. Skip down to verse 17. Thus says the Lord... Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, which teaches you. To what? To what? Now, yeah, this includes being successful in business, but not just that. And if all you care about is business and not the things of God, this ain't going to work for you either. You got to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. But this is talking about not wasting any of your time. 
and actions and work and resources. You're being led by Him because He's teaching you. Somebody say, He's teaching me. To profit. What else is He doing? He's leading you by the way that you should go. So you're not in the way you shouldn't be in. You're not at the places you shouldn't be at. And you're not winding up wasting and being unprofitable. You're in the way you should be. Going to the place you should be. Cutting the tree you should be. Glory to God. And it's profitable. It's producing. It's producing fruit. Fruit that matters. Lives are being changed. People are really being helped. And it is something they will remember. Not just the rest of their life. The rest of eternity. It is fruit that remains. Mm -mm. Stand on your feet everybody. Verse 17. I am the Lord. How many like the sound of this? Thus said the Lord your Redeemer. Is he our Redeemer? The Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Which teaches you to profit. Say it out loud. Lord you are. are. Close your eyes. Say it to him. Lord you are. My Redeemer. You're the Holy One. Of Israel. You are the Lord my God. Who teaches me. How to profit. Who leads me. Daily. Every day. Every night. Every hour. You're leading me. In the way I should go. I will. By your grace, be more fruitful than ever before. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.